Despite Deadpool's idiocy, Weapon X is indeed pleased to have you back, Logan. We put considerable time and money into you. And pointy things! Welcome, everybody, to a brand new episode of the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast. Heck yeah! I'm your host, David the Zader, and with me, as always, is... Is Benedict Cumberbatch. You weren't even doing a British accent. No one's going to believe this that. This is my British accent, and I am uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Back. Batch. Bach. <laughs> Hey, this is Nick. How's everyone doing? <laughs> you can't pronounce your own name. You can't pronounce his name. Uh, and he can't pronounce the word penguins, so it's fine. Pen- Did I have a problem with that? Penguins? No, oh. Benedict Cumberbatch can't pronounce the word penguins. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's a really funny video. I'll send it to you after the show. It's not why thank we're you. here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank uh, you. But welcome to the show, Nick. Thank you, David. Welcome to the show, listeners. Nick. <laughs> Nick, I'm coming to you with, with sadness in my heart. The show's over? Oh, freedom! No, no, the show will never die. You're contractually obligated. All right, uh, so what's this What's this other sadness you got welling up inside you? Uh, that my favorite ice cream parlor in Phoenix, Arizona, has closed its doors after 63 years. Why has it closed after 63 years? In I, Phoenix, Arizona, of all places. Right, you would think ice cream shops would be immortal there. No, I really, I really don't know. People are saying that their prices were too low and the rent was too high. I think it's because I moved away and I wasn't keeping them in business anymore. That sounds much more like it. You seem to have gotten skinnier since you moved to Virginia. <laughs> We've cracked the code. <laughs> no, but I read that today. I'm like, I'm in the middle of work and I wanted to like drop to my knees and you know curse the heavens. <laughs> Uh, that that is unfortunate, especially if it's you know when it's a good one. It's you know you want to keep them around. It was in my neighborhood too. Like it was like a staple of my life. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm sure that everyone's loving that I'm talking about an ice cream parlor that nobody here uh, has ever been to. It was Mary Coyle's, by the way. For anyone, for all, for all you know, we got some Phoenix listeners, and they are just as heartbroken. So they, they better you know, be. I think it's good. For us to talk about things not related to comic books, to emphasize why people would probably prefer that we talk about comic books. Well, let's talk about the thing that everybody wants us to talk about, uh, and that is that you finished BoJack Horseman. I did finish BoJack Horseman, and it was awesome. It was so good, right? It was just, it's such a smart show, and I feel like that people are going to be watching it and think, and not think it, you know. Well, it start because it starts off being really dumb. Well, not it honestly. Like going, I actually uh, okay. I didn't make this conscious choice. Anna mostly made it, but she likes rewatching things like right after she finishes them. So weird. So and she falls asleep thirty seconds into this, oh, yeah. this experiment. Okay. So so I, I'm sitting there and kind of like watching it in the periphery and like like the first episode. Yeah, has a lot of dumb gags, but like the groundwork for like sort of the intelligent things that they kind of expound on, you know, start there. I mean, mm-hmm. there's, and there's elements from episode one. And one of the things I liked about the comedy that unlike uh, a Simpsons or a family guy where there's minute changes over seasons, you know, most episodes are kind of one and done. Like this is, there's an actual narrative growing here, which yeah. sometimes when they repeat things in a future episode, it's, it's not like 
a repeat gag, but it like enhances something that you learned about in a previous episode. Well, it's funny because I rewatched episode three a little bit ago because uh, I'm slowly making Debbie watch it. Is that the muffin one? Um, no, no, that's the second one. The third one is the Sarah Lynn episode. Oh, right, 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 right. And, right. like, there's so much stuff that happens in there that, like, it, it, the continuity of it is really impressive. Like, the burning of the ottoman, and that's, like, that's when his bed breaks. Yeah, no, you're right, because when I, when I was in, like, when the last episodes, I was like, why is this ottoman all messed up when they were uh, writing the... His the, book. The, the book. You know, I, I was like, I, I didn't remember that. And then when I went back and saw that Sarah Lynn episode again, I was like, that happened there. Yeah. And so I, I don't really want to take up too much time uh, with this because that's not why we're here to do this podcast. No, we are here to talk about BoJack Horseman. Well, it, it's just so ingrained into our history at this point. But you mentioned, you know, the drug episode was so great. Like just before it's, uh, yeah, I think it's just before the last episode. Is this one where they take a whole bunch of drugs and do a bunch of really crazy stuff. And, you know, when that episode starts off, it's just, you know, it's really funny, really bizarre, really crazy. But as it goes on, and it just, it's it's an episode that gets deeper, and you really get this examination of BoJack and who he really is mm-hmm. on a really impressive level. Like, his whole fantasy about Maine like, was so oh. heartbreaking. Oh, that got me. That got me. And like that sandwiched in an episode where they're trying to figure out if what they're holding in their arms are brooms or guns. <laughs> like just the the, oh. the way that that it, it was able to shift so seamlessly in between these two very different things. Mm-hmm. And that episode has really stuck with me. Oh it, man, it was definitely probably the highlight of the whole show. I'm very excited for the next season. Is all I'm gonna say about that all he's gonna say folks so and i'm glad like i for some reason when it first came out like I, it sounded like the initial reviews weren't positive and then when i was getting into it i was like no this this show must go on like yeah i think it probably i mean it, it got re it got a second season almost immediately mm-hmm. so i think you you know you have the reviewers who are posting their initial thoughts after a couple of episodes yeah, yeah, which I certainly wouldn't have taken. I would have taken with a grain of salt, and I bet it's you know it, it might operate a little differently with something like Netflix, where, I mean, it's it's not like the individual show makes the money for them; like they have the money already. So right. if they want to make a second season of BoJack Horseman, they could just make it. Yeah, I, I I'm assuming that's how it works. I don't think they're gonna lose a subscriber over one show. You know? Yeah, that pro- so. probably not. So uh, I, I think that's interesting, but I, I'm just excited that there's going to be a second season. I'm all for it. I'm pumped. I'm jazzed. I'm so jazzed that we're going to talk about some comics. Just uh, just because we comics. don't we don't want to explode, you know, with how excited we are. No, we've also been talking for seven minutes about anything except comics, and I'm pretty sure a lot of people have already turned us off. But no, the... we, how do we know there is not going to be a BoJack Horseman comic somewhere down the line? Oh, if there was, we'd have to read it. Bob's Burgers has a comic. Oh, it totally oh, does. Bob's You're right. Yeah, but yeah, that's so. but that's more of a family comedy. Like that has the appeal. <laughs> Bob's Burgers, a family comedy. It is, man. In a weird I, way. I, I would read a. I would. I would write the BoJack Horseman comic, and it would be terrible because I would not be able to do the show justice. No, but you would hear Will Arnett's head in your voice. Wait, wait, what? You'd hear Will <laughs> Arnett's voice in your head. Yes, for <laughs> head uh, in your voice. Yeah, for a while. Yeah, that's you know. Okay, but no, but really, come on, comics. Lots of big stuff this week. Lots comics of big stuff that we've books. been talking about leading up to now. And neglecting. Where, where do you want to start with this? I want to start 
Um, well, I mean, the only book I read was Captain America. So if we want to get me out of the way, then then we you, you can sort of hit the highlights or the not so highlights of the things that you were able to tackle. Uh, I'll try. I was able to read a good deal more than you. It's very true. Yes. Yes. Um, but so now let's start with Captain America because some of the stuff I want to say about Thor uh, will be better if we have the Captain America talk out of the way because I'm going to reference some stuff with that. So go for okay. it. Captain okay. America. Okay. Captain America. It's okay. So we've known it's coming for a while. The replacement of Steve Rogers with Sam Wilson, the longtime, uh, his longtime partner and uh, superhero named Falcon. Uh, Falcon's a cool character, and I I was pretty stoked for this this you know change up. I don't you know I don't really care if it's permanent or or, or temporary. You know it, it's comic books. It, it comes and goes, but. Um, we all knew it was coming. It was so funny, in fact, because the previous issues cliffhanger involved Falcon flying up into the sky to like uh, get rid of a bomb and the bomb going off. So you're like, oh no! Like if there was no internet, you know, no no mighty Marvel marketing machine, uh-huh. you would have been like, oh man, I think Falcon just died, you yeah. know. But because it's like, oh, he's gonna be Captain America. It's like, yeah, well, hopefully issue twenty five comes out soon because I already that that was a bum bum cliffhanger. But it's whatever. Um, so this this uh, final issue of this volume of Captain America sort of resolves certain elements. It doesn't actually. It really doesn't resolve anything. I should say that <laughs> the, the superheroes, um, the, the Avengers, uh, defeat Zola's forces in New York, and Zola retreats back to Dimension Z. It was also part of a larger plot where Zola was. What I got was from it was creating distraction so that they weren't focused on the crap that Red Skull was doing over in the. Um, the island of Genosha, the former mutant nation. It's it's always Red Skull, but continue. So, it's always Red Skull. Um, so basically, the conflict is over. Characters are able to reflect. Everyone's like, Sam Wilson's dead, and he's like, No, actually, Tony Stark gave me like swanky wings that deflected the bomb impact or something. Something uh, or other. Yeah. So so I mean, despite still being within the vicinity of bomb, he's chill. He's good. Um. Steve Rogers is reunited with Sharon Carter, who is also aged, though apparently, however much time has passed, she still has, she's got wrinkles, but can, like perfect blonde hair and giant cans. Uh, yeah, those, yeah, those don't go down with age in comic books. No, they actually um, get bigger. Yes, yes, breasts get bigger with age in superhero comics because. Yes. Um. Some interesting details happen. So, so in so over the course of this volume of Captain America, uh, Steve um, partnered up with Zola's uh, now estranged. Actually, I shouldn't say that. His daughter, uh, Jet Black, uh, and she goes with him back to you know the main universe, and she tries to get established there. But you know it's very different. She had different expectations, um, and but she really started to grow accustomed to it. And then that all went to hell in this issue, and she basically got. Um, she basically she got upset with everyone and kind of runs back to her father, you know, deflated. And Zola brings her back to his home dimension, um, you know, bef- uh, before he goes. But it, but the, the things they accuse her of in this issue, basically they, they accuse her of being a spy for Zola, which mm-hmm. you don't like. There's no indication in previous issues that she was actually spying, which makes me think that there was someone else spying, and the person I actually think was spying. So I don't know how was Sharon Carter. Okay. I think the fact that like she was taken off the board after that initial story, 
and now she's back, and she obviously had spent time in Dimension Z. There's just something about it where, uh, like, you sure maybe Rick Remender wants to give Cap a bit of a, a happy reprieve, you know? Like, he, you know, he's he, he can't fight anymore, so he can kind of stay away from the battlefield. And here's Sharon, and now they can finally be together again. Um, but there's something about the way that she just immediately, like, accuses Jet of being, like, a spy that just it, it it makes me suspicious of her that, that that isn't all we haven't seen everything there is to see about Sharon Carter yet so and that kind of makes me sad a little bit because I would actually like Steve Rogers to have a bit of a happy moment before he you know regains his strength and goes back to kick butt mm-hmm. uh, yeah so Jet Black leaves we'll see where that pans off uh, Steve was reunited with his uh, essentially his foster son from Dimension Z also a child of Zola uh, and he's going to become the new Nomad which was a previous identity that Steve Rogers had way 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 back when and then basically the issue ends or the main story ends with all the Avengers being gathered to Avengers Mansion where Steve Rogers now old says this is what I'm going to use as my base of operations I'll basically be your your operator. I'll help guide you guys in, in your missions. And also here's the new Captain America and it's like the best one page splash I've seen in a while. Uh, I sent you a picture of it. Yeah, it's, I've, seen, uh, I've seen it online too. It's <laughs> just Sam Wilson going, you guys all knew it was me, didn't you? There's literally no drama left in this reveal. Like, well, and I, and I love perfect. I love the way that he's standing there too. It's like he's in the outfit. Like this should be like, oh, all right, I'm here guys. Let's do this. It's just him like, well, Yep, I'm uh, Captain America now. Yep, like like it, it, it's it, honestly it's a way that Marvel kind of play uh, makes fun of itself within their own comics. So I appreciate that. Steve gives him the shield, and uh, basically it's all like, yay, you know, everything's great, but it, excuse me, it's not. So there's like an epilogue story with art by Stuart Amonin, who's going to be the artist on the new book, which makes me really excited. Uh, and it involves sort of this this new rise with Hydra, uh-huh. um, and uh, I'm gonna have to go back and read uh, Remender's Winter Soldier series miniseries he did um, in like the last six months because there's a character here that I, I remember from like the first couple of issues. There's also a character that there's a, a group of uh, Hydra leaders that are called the Unknowns, and they all wear cloaks, and you don't know who they are. Uh-huh. And one remarks that they were at the 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 celebration that revealed the new Captain America. So now I'm like, okay, who is it? Which also kind of makes me think it might be Sharon Carter, which I don't know. I don't necessarily know why. I feel like I don't think Zola has anything to do with Hydra in, in this particular incarnation. So I'm not sure she is. But someone in a previous page that I'm sure they showed us is now uh, also working for Hydra, or is working for Hydra and is spying on the Avengers. Everybody um, is working for Hydra. If everyone, movies, if movies yeah. have taught me anything, yeah, everyone works for Hydra. So that's that's the whole book in a nutshell. Nutshell. It's it's cool. You know, I've I've been a big fan of Remender's stuff. You know, since the get go, and I'm I'm super excited for all new Captain America. Uh, literally, literally called all new Captain America, because uh, when Marvel gets one of those those adjectives, those identifiers, like they just uh-huh. got to roll with it on as many books as they can. Um, so, I mean, great art by Carlos Pacheo, uh, great art by Amonin, um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know, I'm, I'm really excited for Sam Wilson's time as Captain America for however long it lasts, 
Uh, if anyone can pull it off, it'll definitely be Rick Remender. And he's definitely, you know, he's the kind of writer that will put characters through their paces. So Sam Wilson probably won't enjoy it, but I will enjoy it for him. <laughs> well, that's good to hear. And yeah, I'm, I'm sure it'll, I'm sure it'll be a good run. Yeesh. Yes. So let's, uh, you know, I, I, I haven't got a chance to read the issue. Um, I'm also not up on my Captain America and what's going on. So I, I don't really have anything to add to that, unfortunately. That's right. I think I talked quite enough. Yes, know, yes. To cover it all. So I'm going to instead talk about uh, Thor number one, which dun, dun, dun. came out this week. And I do want to make a disclaimer here. I have never actually read a Thor story before. Wow, really? Yeah. Uh, I'm hop like there's actually a lot of Marvel comics where I could say I've never read any of like any of these characters' stories before. You just need to get Marvel Unlimited and spend a long weekend away from your wife. Yeah, that would be great if Marvel Unlimited wasn't still expensive. It's ten bucks. It's it's not just ten bucks, is it? Yeah, you can you pay you can pay ten dollars a month, oh, yeah, or yeah. you can drop like sixty dollars at once. No, it's more than sixty dollars, but still ten bucks a month. That's a hundred like. I'm pretty freaking okay. poor here. Okay. All right. Fair enough. But, and I still have a subscription to it, and obviously I'm terrible at prioritizing my money, but 10 bucks a month for, like, thousands and thousands of comic books right at your fingertips? Yeah. I mean, okay. Netflix, When I get through my giant to-read pile and read all the Valiant stuff I just bought, I'll get Marvel Unlimited. Fair enough. Because if I get it right now, you know what? It's not going to happen. I'm not going to start reading a bunch of Marvel comics. Fair enough. And you'd, you'd, you'd want a tablet to read on. I think it's best experience on a tablet, not like a phone or a laptop. So. Yes, that's also true. So, but anyway, anyway. Thor number one. Thor number one. All new Thor number one. Not even all new Thor. It's just it's, Thor number one. Just Thor. Not so, Thorita. Not Thorina. Not She-Thor. She-Thor. Lady Thor. Uh, though people... It's funny because like, people still call her She-Thor, but that's just, for you know, to because we don't know who she is so it's just to denote like okay this is the thor we're talking about mm -hmm. if you say thor i'm still gonna think thor odin's son yeah who's now basically just referred to as odin's son or thor odin's son yes okay so anyway uh written by jason aaron uh art by russell dodderman dodderman that's what i thought i just wanted to be sure uh it picks up right where uh what was the last event? Um, uh, original Sin. Original Sin. Is, is where Nick Fury so is, does his thing. It picks up pretty much right after that. Because they're on the moon, you know, he whispers the secret to Thor. Thor drops the hammer and then can't pick it back up. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly where we're picking up now. Um, there was actually a really helpful little uh, thing at the beginning of this. Um, on the, you know, on like the credits page that mm -hmm. sort of told you what's going on. Like, I, you know, Odin's been gone for a while. I didn't know that. Uh, Freya's been the All-Mother. It's now called Asgardia. So they did a pretty good job of, of catching me up on, hey, here's where events are at. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I, I wasn't aware that you, you didn't know any of that. Oh, yeah, no, I have no idea. Cool, keep going. Um, so in this issue, there's this under... So I sort of skimmed parts of this. I'm just going to be perfectly honest. Um just because I, you know, I wanted more wanted to get the, the gist of what's going on. So there's this uh, underwater research facility that uh -huh. is suddenly under attack by frost giants. Meanwhile, Thor is on the moon being really mopey about the fact that he can't pick up the hammer 
Uh, we have no idea what the secret is. Uh, Thor or Odin is like, hey, some frost giants are attacking Midgard. And Thor finally gets up, leaves the hammer there, goes and gets uh, the axe, and you know starts starts his little siege against the frost giants. Freya mm-hmm. and Odin have this little fight because she's like, "I'm the All Mother. Just because you're back doesn't mean, you know, you're now in power and you're the greatest thing ever." And he's, aren't, aren't there there are two other women there because Freya because uh, when they introduced the all-mother concept, like when Odin left, there was there's three women, Freya, maybe it was Frigga, and I can't think of the other one, but there should be more than just one all-mother. Um, Is that, did they, did they, did they, did they the, introduce you to anyone the, else? In the little quip, in the little quip it says, but his wife Freya, who had been ruling Asgardia and his steed as the all-mother, has no intention of letting things go back. Uh, to the way things went before. So anyway, there's a there's the a tension there between those two. Um, Thor saying like, "Woman, get back in the kitchen," and she's like, "I was doing it for myself. I didn't need no man." That sort of thing is where we're at. Anyway, back in the uh, kingdom under the sea. So it's not just the frost giants. It's Malekith the accursed who is mm-hmm. uh, the main bad guy in Thor number two, teaming up with uh, you know one of the main bad guys from Thor number one, which I don't think is entirely incidental. Uh, they're there to claim some sort of prize in this mm-hmm. underground facility. Uh, Thor shows up, riding a goat underwater. You would. It's, it's actually that, that kind of Thor awesome, guy. but it's hilarious. Uh, he fights, gets his arm cut off. Thor does? Yep. Oh, that all happens in this issue. Jeez. Yep. Odin's son gets his gets his arm cut off by by Malekith. And then the last two issues, so the second or the last two issues, the last two pages, the second to last page, you have just the hammer standing there. Someone says there must always be a Thor. They go pick it up and then suddenly you have this new female Thor. And that's where the book ends. Uh, we are not given a name of who this person is. We have just as much information as we did six months ago. Uh, and now I'm going to kind of... I'm going to talk. I'm going to say some things. David, you talk. You, you get this off your chest. So I want, you know, I, I skimmed it, but I did read a good portion of it. Jason Aaron, well done. Uh, Russell Dodderman, really great art in this book. There's times where it's almost Frank, like Frank Quitely-esque. Yeah, uh, I'm not super familiar with Dodderman's art, so I don't know if that's usual. But there were a few, a few panels, a couple pages where I really was seeing that kind of style come through, and mm-hmm. it was really working here. Um, yeah, the art in this book is great, save for a couple, a couple of faces. Uh, just one I was looking at right now had a really weird face for Thor. Uh, what I don't like about this at all is that. So let's look at Captain America right now. It was Captain America, what number was it? Most of it, 25. Number 25. Um, Focused mainly on Steve Rogers, right? Yeah. They were saying, hey. the, The final issue? Yeah, they were saying, hey, this issue is the end of Captain America, or of of Steve Rogers, Captain America, and it's the beginning of this new one. Mm -hmm. So obviously, you know, we're going to close it out. Because this is the end of the Steve Rogers thing. Yep. Uh, that's essentially what this is 
in this Thor issue. However, instead of being like, yeah, this is Thor number, you know, 32, they were like, nope, it's Thor number one. And here's a picture of the of the woman Thor on the cover, uh, but she's only going to be in one page and we're going to give you absolutely no information about her because it doesn't matter who she is. What matters is that she is a woman. That is all that matters about this new change. And that bothers me so very much because that kind of goes back to all the stuff I was saying months ago that Marvel that Marvel was doing here where they went on the view where they're like guys isn't it so great that Thor is a woman now it, it doesn't it doesn't matter if it's good for the character or not or you know who who even this character is she could be nameless forever that's fine it's just all that matters is she's a woman aren't we so great and diverse yay and it bothers me man like i don't if you're going to make this number one, you're going to feature this character on the cover, make it about this character. Mm-hmm. Introduce me to this person. Because right now my only curiosity is, okay, who is this person? But I, I could probably find that out by flipping through the next couple pages of the next issue. Like, if you really want to hook me in, give me a reason to care about who this person is. And now Thor Odinson is going to go have his own adventures in a different book. Like, I, you know, this book was about him and now where he's at, I'm more interested in seeing that and what's going to happen there because mm-hmm. that's the hook that was thrown out here. So I don't, you know, I, I don't want to just repeat myself over and over, but it really bothers me. Dude, yeah. You seem bothered. You seem, <laughs> you seem bothered. And, and I, I, want I, it, I, I want it not to bother me, but it does. <laughs> I think is, you know, I, I always try to take the marketing with a grain of salt. I, I don't, you know, I think that, you know, I, I'm, it's kind of like what I was saying with the Gwen Stacy book last week, you know, it was a good book, you know, but it's like the hype, like, oh man, the hype just feeds into you so much, mm-hmm. you know, whether, whether you respond to it positively or negatively, that it can like color your expectations of the book. So I agree with you that if if I had been in control of this, that like in the same way that this last issue of Captain America, this volume of Captain America was was um Steve passing the torch to Sam, that like I would have had the last issue of um Thor God of Thunder be essentially the the the, the equivalent of passing the torch, you know? Mm-hmm. And that we would open upon this new female Thor. And at the same time, I know that, that, that apparently that he's working this as a mystery. Who is this person? And I think that we might be singing a different song when, you know, a lot of the issues of this story have come out and we can look back on it as a whole. It is one of the sort of the, the, the nature of the beast of serialized storytelling that like, you know, Jason Aaron simply chose to start the story off this way, which is his prerogative. But for everyone who's been chomping at the bit to whether we know who she is or not, we just like, okay, we want to see this character in action. Why, you know, you're saying that this is a character to watch as a character to care about, you know, now give me something. And then the first, you know, 20, whatever pages of this person's story, they're actually in it for one. So anything, I'd be more upset that like, we haven't seen enough of this character. And and, and that's, and that's what I'm saying is that it feels more like, like all of their marketing and all of their big hype on this. It's just that it's, it's, it's a woman now and it doesn't really matter who this person is. Yeah. Like and I, and I want to see who this person is, you know? If you're going to mm-hmm. if you're going to bring in this new character and you're going to hype us all up about it, 
show me that new character. And we always say a lot, we're like, show me the money. We always say in the show, we're like, oh, you know, but when we, when we in six months, when we're going to sit, you know, we can sit down and read it all and trade and we're going to laugh at our thoughts, which I think is partially true. But on a week to week basis, you know, we still have to look at this as a does, did this stand well on its own? Mm-hmm. I think as a book, yes, as what they were, as, as, as what they want to do with this big paradigm shift, I don't think so to be to be honest um and uh, you know you, you were saying the Gwen Stacy issue was fine on its own I remember comic book resources gave it like a four and a half and then you know looking at the the reviews for this they gave it like a they gave this issue of Thor like a uh four I think I said did I say Thor or did I say four you the, the, the words sound very similar uh, they gave this issue of Thor like a four out of five stars, which mm-hmm. I, th- I think is a pretty generous rating. Well, I mean, like you said, the art was fantastic. And the writing, you know, it's one of those things where now at this point we have to separate the fact that what we would have preferred the issue to be isn't what it is. Right. So the issue as it stands, is it good? And it might not be, <laughs> you I'm know, not, a I'm great female Thor story but it, it could have been a, a good Odin son story right and, I, and it was a good Odin son story you know I I've, I have not read any Thor before like I you know like I mentioned um, I did okay so maybe I'm being a little harsh in my judgments here as far as the issue itself goes it's a very very fine issue obviously my complaints are with the marketing and the way that they're trying to sell this book to me and to a casual audience base mm-hmm. uh you know i but but at the end but the at the end of this i'm much more interested in what did nick fury say to thor uh you know was it like you you know you forgot to dvr uh the breaking bad finale and that's why you're unworthy put, he did not put the so- the toilet seat down uh he did not you left the butter out overnight you monster <laughs> You know, I, I don't really know what makes you unworthy of the hammer here. You took my lunch from the fridge in the break room. It had my name on it. My name! <laughs> uh, and also, uh, the fact that the hammer now says, if she be worthy, shall possess the power of Thor. Like, couldn't we have just changed it to they? Well, I think because the hammer already said he... It's it's a clever thing. It's it's a it's just a, it's, a, yeah. it's a clever thing. You know, she picks it up, and you know the 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 hammer has it's magic, so it has to adjust itself. If it said they, why didn't it just it, turn, uh, you know, turn her into a man, give her a penis? <laughs> I don't know, David. The hammer's I, I magical, know. Nick. You know, yes, it's a magical penis hammer that grants anyone who wants a penis a penis. All right, so here's here's what I'm gonna say. Here's what I'm gonna I'm gonna resolve on this. It's a good issue. Uh, just don't buy into all the marketing bullcrap and hype. If you're into this for who is this new female Thor, wait uh, you know wait ne- till next month when the next issue comes out. That's when you'll get your answers. Uh, let's you know let's move on. Yeah, let's, all uh, right, I'm just all gonna right. calm myself. Another number one That's came it. out this week that Nick some, also didn't um, read. I'm fine. Deep breath. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. So. Gotham Academy, which I know we've mentioned, this doesn't really seem like it's necessarily for us, but still seemed pertinent to check it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
my thoughts now that it is over is that it is still not for us and that's not a bad thing um i really i should say i really enjoyed the art in this book uh i really got to give it to uh becky clunan and brennan fletcher i think they have written a really good story for teen audiences um it, it's, it's a very well done book that is aimed very correctly but there were definitely times reading this where it just didn't feel like it was for me and that's fine you know not all comics are for everyone i'm starting to all think that time. you that that you were way into it more than you want to say but you're trying to like distance yourself from the fact that like you are now a gotham academy fangirl <laughs> no i'm not there's you, there's definitely the anime influences in this story uh, kind kind of big time. Like even in their design of of Bruce Wayne, this is a very interesting week uh, for Bruce Wayne, as I will talk about uh, in a few more minutes when I talk about Green Arrow. Uh, yeah. So so it, it's it's really it's really not a bad book. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I think I can objectively say that as just a general comic fan, uh, but. I don't think I'll be picking up the next issue. However, I, I would feel perfectly fine, you know, as as Becky Cloonan has said, this is a book that, you know, if you have like a younger like sister, or younger cousin or something, and it's like, oh man, you know, they're interested in comics, but I don't want to give them anything because they're really violent and, you know, kind of more mature these days. This mm-hmm. would be a really good one to give, to hand to, you know, because uh, this is something that when I was 16, I totally would have been into. Like it's it's not just marketed right at girls. Uh, yeah, guys, got kid boys could totally like it too. Mm-hmm. No, totally. Is, uh, it, is it weird that we're not sixteen anymore? Nah, we got, we, we got old. There, there was actually one moment that I uh, rather enjoyed because um, I'm I, I don't know if I mentioned it on here before, but I'm running a D and D game, and this this one character as they're you know kind of working their way through this clock tower is talking about uh this time that she was playing it sounds like you know like D, like a tabletop role-playing game mm-hmm. and i'm like oh man that's a good idea like i have a little notepad i started like scribbling down notes about what she was saying like it's genius uh but yeah good art well written uh give it to your younger friends younger siblings to get them into comics i think it is it's a good gateway book awesome cool times cool times cool times and now green arrow new creative team new creative team hot off of a previously greatly respected creative team of jeff lemire and andrea sorrentino mm-hmm. but now we have a uh, at least i think they're they both actually write for the tv show andrew kreisberg ben sokolowski they, yeah, they they both write for the show. If I if I, I know Kreisberg does, but um, yeah, Kreisberg's one of the uh, executive producers. I'm pretty sure. I think so- Sokolowski or however you pronounce his name. I think he also writes for the show. Probably. If Daniel Daniel Daniel, I can't read or pronounce names tonight. That's okay. I had, I had the same problem while trying to sell an eight thousand dollar chair today. So what did you do? I just couldn't like talk at all. I was also doing a bunch of interviews for uh, positions, and I was like, blah, blah, blah. "You still want to work here?" This is a great massage chur. Chur. Would you like to try out, please? It'll really massage you. <laughs> massage yo. Okay. Yep. Uh, anyway, Daniel. Yeah. Uh. Daniel Samper 
is the penciler here. So this is the new creative team that's taken over. They have come into this with the mindset, hey, we're going to take Green Arrow back to his more liberal roots where he's going to be the Robin Hood type character. Mm-hmm. Um, do, do, do you want to know something, Nick, now that I've read this? What? I'm going to be dropping Green Arrow off of my pull list. <laughs> was it like, was it just bad? So here's, here's where the book suffers. Mainly, mainly in its art. <laughs> the art is not that good. It's, mm-hmm. it's serviceable. Uh, but coming off of Sorrentino, it just is not, it's not the same. Cause you know, you had this younger Oliver Queen who, you know, he was, he was very lean and lithe and, you know, he had this, he, I, he, I felt he looked more like how I imagined Robin Hood to look, mm-hmm. uh, where now you have the going back to drawing him like this really big bulky guy and like all the body armor and stuff. <laughs> no, he's still got like the same outfit. But like his arm and one of like his arm and his torso are just so like overly muscly that it, it's it's you know now it's going back onto that whole painted on look. It's mm-hmm. all very ridiculous. Uh, his like even his haircut, you know, he kind of had like the shaggy hair in the, the last couple run like last run. He had like this shaggy hair young kid look, and now they've gone back to to the look that he had before, mm-hmm. like physically in the face. Uh, which wasn't a, I wasn't a fan of at all. Um, in in the first couple pages, you know, I'm like, oh, the art's not amazing, but I kind of like the way that they're writing Green Arrow. You know, he definitely is this more Robin Hood character, so maybe they're you know they're being a little heavy-handed with that, but that's their mission here, that's their goal, that's fine, they can do that. Uh, and then about halfway through the book. Oliver Queen has this meeting with Lex Luthor and Bruce Wayne Mm -hmm. because they want to invest money into Queen Industries because, you know, LexCorp and Wayne Tech uh, or whatever the hell it's called these days. Um, Wayne, isn't it? Wayne Enterprises. That was just Wayne Industries. No, no, no. Wayne Tech and LexCorp. Okay. So it's. Is it Wayne Tech? It is Wayne Tech, yeah. They say it in the book. So uh, this is where. Yeah, so they come together like, look, Wayne Tech and Lex Corporate together now. We want to get Queen Industries in on this so that we can really start putting money into the future and saving the world. You know, we're gonna we'll be the heroes, not just in our costumes, but in the real world. Uh, and, this... and they know that Oliver Queen is Green Arrow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, well, I'm pretty sure it seems kind of like they do. Um, I, I, I feel like they've known anyway. Uh, this is also where the art gets really bad. <laughs> the art in this whole uh, scene is not great. Bruce Wayne is written really weird. There's a page where it looks like Lex doesn't have um, irises in his eyes. Uh, and this is also where Bruce Wayne gets written really, really weird. So their whole thing is like, look, we really want to save the planet. That's our whole goal is to save humanity. And... Oliver Queen's like, no, I really have to focus on my city. If I give you guys money, I have to start shutting down shelters and blah, 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 blah. And Bruce Wayne uh, starts like saying, like, no, don't think about your city. Like, think about the future. Think about the world. Which totally goes against Bruce Wayne and Batman entirely. Yeah. Where he does so much stuff for his city. And he's so integrated into, into Gotham 
and you know Bruce Wayne is doing all this stuff to try and make Gotham a better place and here he is saying like no nope, no nope, don't worry about your city no we have to think about the world which Bruce Wayne would think about both and then there's this line you know near the end of that where uh where Oliver you know just says like the things I do for Seattle you wouldn't understand and then Bruce storms out and he says by the way no need for the parking validation are helicopters on the roof that is not something that Bruce Wayne would say at all like something snippy and petty yeah exactly it I don't know Bruce Wayne's whole attitude in this meeting was like he's a really really shallow guy mm-hmm. and I get like that's the playboy he puts off but it seems you know in in the in like the boardroom and when it comes to you know these big investments and doing all this stuff is very important that you know to him sorry getting a little getting a little worked up over this here uh when does constantine start soon good to know sorry it's on the back of the comic here that i just uh (laughs) caught a glimpse of uh long story short oh oh yeah and then like when they're when they're leaving there's some woman who apparently is oliver queen's girlfriend they do like this weird time jump uh, where his entire team has left him except for Diggle. And now, like, there's some woman he's dating, and Bruce says to her on the way out, if you want to work for a real company, call me and hands her his business card. That's weird. It was really weird. Because um, you feel like it's, it's not Bruce Wayne pretending to be sort of like a playboy dickhead. Like, he's yeah, he's, like... he's trying to, he, he's being fat Bruce. Like, you know, intertwining goals, like. Yeah, they they work together, and it's you know he's been known to be the be the quote unquote you know financier of of Batman yeah. publicly, uh, and then at the end of the book you have the introduction of Felicity Smoke, uh, and I don't care. <laughs> I mean, I love Felicity Smoke in the show. Uh, I also think that uh, the actress is very attractive. Uh, this you know this character looks like her. It's fine. But she's like, my name is Felicity Smoke, and I was hired to kill you. It's very just melodramatic. She says, that, she says that to Oliver to kill, Queen. To kill Oliver Queen. Yep. Uh, and I, I don't care. I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> if you know, in a in a couple weeks, they're like, no, no, no. He was setting up the stuff, and it's super awesome. Then I'll think about it. But for now, I need to drop books off my list anyway. Green Arrow's gone. Yeah. Well, that that's unfortunate. I, I mean, if I'm being honest here, as much as I tr- truly enjoy the show Arrow, and, and I enjoy it like I actually I, I take it seriously, but at the same time, the writing is not great. Yeah, it depends on the week. It depends on the week. To be, uh, it depends on the episode. Absolutely. Um, but it is like the way it's been set up. It is a, a fairly ham-fisted show, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and having not read the Green Arrow issue yet, you know, which I, I think I'm, I'm at least going to check it out, you know, this issue to kind of get a feel for what you're saying. You know, it is hard coming off of a, a, a run that's, I don't want to say it was trying to be high literature, but it clearly was in a class of its own. So I, I don't envy anyone that has to follow an act like that. Well, and it was it was one of the best turns around turnarounds of the New Fifty Two or of comics in general. Yeah. Because when you know New Fifty Two launched, everybody's like Green Arrow is a pile of crap. And yeah, then, it was not good. I read a few of the issues. Yeah, Lemire and Sorrentino come in, and people are suddenly flocking to the book like it's you know it's suddenly very very good. Mm-hmm. And it just 
you hate to see it take a nosedive. Yeah, which is unfortunate. So and maybe it'll take them a little bit to find their 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 footing. It's one of those things where they they don't want to necessarily be the show because they have to acknowledge because they, they're not taking place in the same universe as the show. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they're kind of like, oh, but it's like we feel validated because we work on the show that we can bring in characters like Felicity Smoke and we can elevate John Diggle's presence in the book um, because we you know those are our characters, so to speak. Yeah, and Diggle, when they introduced him in the last run, they did a really good job of making him fit, of mm-hmm. making sense out of that character, and not just you know shoving, shoving a, a round peg into a square hole. You know, mm-hmm. like let's let's you know let's make this work by any means necessary. No, it, like it, they really did a good job of it. And I don't, I don't, didn't feel that magic with Felicity Smoke. Because I I love Felicity. I I mean, the actress, notwithstanding, like I just I I like how they've developed her character up in the show. And I and I really want to feel magic with Felicity Smoke. Oh my gosh! (laughs) What? Oh David! Oh David! Oh, you you come on, come on, come on! Uh, We're only a couple weeks now from the premiere. I know, and I am excited. Of course, I haven't watched Gotham yet. Yeah, I. so I'm not used to live television. I think the only show that I it's watch, alive. I think the only show that I watch like when like while it's on for the last year or two has been Arrow. Uh, so you know, it's like a couple of days ago, I was like, wait, wait, what? What day of the week is Gotham on? I honestly have no idea. Yeah. Uh, so there's I'm, a, like there's like a comic book show every day of the week. Yeah. So I. Uh, caught up well i'm halfway through this episode of gotham i don't want to talk about on the show again until i can see a couple more episodes yeah and really see what they're building here uh and you know i mean maybe you know when you watch it i'd be fine to talk about it but i'm not going to throw any more of my opinions out for the time being fair enough fair enough fair enough uh let's see here uh moon knight i was too harsh on the new creative team new books real good (laughs) <laughs> case closed this this new one this this new issue was another high concept book mm-hmm. uh where the, you know they're trying to do something different and mm-hmm. i'm always you know i was a little i'm a little wary of that because warren ellis and declan shelfley did it really really well uh, and i'm like oh great they're just trying to copy you know what these other guys did but nope that was i was very impressed they've made it their own while staying true to what they were doing with, with, with what the other team was doing in the book awesome i'm i'm excited to to, to read the issue absolutely you, you better be i am in fact uh, maybe i'll just ignore the rest of the show and read it right now that's fine i feel like i've been talking a lot this episode though no i need well you know you know i i tend to steal the the show true well a I, lot. Think last... I, I talk a lot yeah i think we had a good balance last week though i think you know, it's anyway. Uh, any any other uh, any stuff tomorrow? Tomorrow's my. I have it planned that I'm gonna catch up on, on some books. My goal for tomorrow is to finally finish Talon, and catch up on wow, Talon. That's that's right. Been a, that's, that's, a, that's a throwback. I'm, I mean, I'm only. I think I'm only like six or seven issues to the end. Uh, and then I'm also going to try and catch up on East of West tomorrow. Those yeah, East. I'm still like an issue behind, and it's, it's, it's good. It's, it's definitely a book where it's, it's, it's like, 
maybe it's too early to call it Hickman's magnum opus, but it, it really is like the most Hickman E of books. Wow, I don't know why I'm like burping all the time. Excuse me. Um, but he, it's, I, I read an issue and like you, you really got to focus on, of course I'm reading it like right before going to bed. So my mind's not like as sharp mm-hmm. and, but I'm just like, I really don't know what's going on. I don't know what these <laughs> characters are arguing about. And then like, but like something snaps like at the end where you're just like, uh, like that's that's kind of like, uh, like yeah yeah I don't do this but I feel like you like you could probably really appreciate East to West if you were high <laughs> like I feel like it's one of those books where if I ever had that disposition to do something like that I would sit down and read it like totally baked and, yeah. and, and maybe appreciate it even more it's a cool series the art by Nick Dragota Dragata, whatever is is fantastic oh, the art is, the art is really good and it's consistent it's awesome having artists you know and it seems like image and the writers and the creative teams that are working on it, like the artists that are committed to these these indie books where they could be making a lot more money working for like marvel or dc mm-hmm. um are really committed to the books so even if like they take a break month or maybe an issue is late, is late by a couple of weeks or another month like you're getting really singular artistic visions you know from both the writing and the art and that that's really cool yeah and that's that's something you really got to appreciate about indie books in general that you know the the, the, i think like the creative teams i don't know and i and i think we're getting that a lot more out of the big two where creative teams are a lot more focused and working together towards a goal where you know i feel like the art is really being elevated and like the visual of the story is also matching what is hopefully the good uh uh, dialogue yeah let's go with dialogue that's what i'm looking for um but these indie books like you have these teams that really that that really come together i mean you know maybe like the writer has the idea but then the artist is really going to help like shape it and the world's the, the world forms around these two people really coming together and it's it's a good process i'm a big fan of it and I, i'm much more okay i don't know <laughs> This is kind of hypocritical. I'm much more okay with, you know, if you if you tell me, hey, Saga's gonna take a week off or you know take a month off because, you know, they've got they kind of got to catch up on some stuff. I'm like, yeah, you know, that's totally cool. But then you're like, hey, Death of Wolverine, it's gonna be like three weeks late. I'm gonna, you know, I'm like, what? And maybe that's just like because you come to expect the regularity. Again, I don't read a ton of Marvel, so I know that's maybe a little more rocky on that side. But you come to expect the regularity out of the the superhero books mm-hmm. that they're going to be there every week. Exactly. There's there's a, there's a, superhero books nowadays are comfort food. Mm-hmm. And that's not a bad thing. No, that's no, not it's not. Absolutely, absolutely they, not. Characters that you know are designed. They they are procedural. They're designed like shows like CSI or Law and Order. They're just like there'll be changes here or there, but it's mostly the same characters and the same the same status quos day in and day out and sometimes it's cool when they do shakeups whether it be female thor or sam wilson captain america or superior iron man or, you know what have you there it there's something about picking up a superior book that like when it's good it's you know it's good but in general like i think we both pick up enough superhero books um my fitbit just went off even though i haven't been walking and it told me that i just reached my goal huh. that's weird Congratulations. Um, but thank you um but that it it's it's just comforting to like superhero books will always be there but reading books from like image or dark horse and 
also from Marvel and DC, but what I was kind of thinking the, the other day when I was catching them on East to West was I feel like I'm watching like HBO or Showtime shows, you know, in the comic book. Like this is the the premium comic format. It's original content, Hmm, that's you a know, good. and it's it's the whole no holds bar. There's no you know there's no rating. If you're gonna show nudity, you're gonna show nudity. If you're gonna show blood and guts, you're gonna show blood and guts. But it can aim to be, I suppose, depending on which project, what uh, comic you're
What was the name of Jonah Hex's first horse? Oh, crap, dude. I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know. I am not a Jonah. I, I don't know that uh, much about Jonah Okay, Hex. I'll give you a little bit. Of, I'll give you a hint here. Okay. It's not like it's not necessarily a name. It's a title someone can achieve. Um, Like Sarge? Or... Or the general, or captain. Or I'm gonna give it to you. Mis- it was Mister. His, I'm gonna give it to you. It's the general. Wait, really? Yep. Just because you specifically <sighs> said the words "the general," dude. Like I wasn't even cheating. I just kind of threw that out. I know, and you know, I'm bending the rules a lot to give that to you. But hey, oh, what are you gonna do? Something in my heart just fluttered. Oh, congratulations! You're getting no other hints for the rest of this. Whoa, 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 whoa! Come on. <laughs> Which oh, superhero me. had a mount named Storm? Uh, uh, mount. Um, what superhero had a horse named Storm? Uh, do I get a hint of like which company it's from? No. Called Storm. Yes. Oh man. Is. Was it? Was it? Um. Uh. Oh my god, who rides horses? Uh, I don't know who's ridden a horse named Storm. Um, come on, come on, give me a hint, give me a hint. I, I can't. You I can can't. give me a hint. It's not, again, my family will be okay. Alright, it's a DC character, that's all you're getting out of me. It's okay, DC character rides Was it, was it, um, Haunted Tank? Was it? The guy, because he was a general, he was a Confederate general or something, and he was a ghost and no. he rides a horse. Wait, I'm not done. There's other people that ride horses. Nope, I don't that's know. Was it? It was, was it? Aquaman. And I didn't say horse. I said mount. He rode a seahorse. You. <sighs> he rode a seahorse named Storm. That that is some tricky finagling, my friend. That I that still could have said is... horse and been within my rights. You could have. You said mount. Yep. Now I mean, got me thinking about horses. You know I take things literally. <laughs> uh, plus, we talked about BoJack Horseman earlier. This really works out for everyone. It's, it's, it's really a horse-themed episode. All right. Who is the father of, I'm not going to be able to pronounce this correctly, uh, Slepnir, Odin's magical eight-legged steed? Who is the father of it? Yes. Um, someone named Frank or Bob? Nope. Maybe Jerry. It's Loki. Wait. Loki f- sired a horse? Yep. For his adoptive father. Well, he, you know, kind of reappeared at some point and was like, oh, by the way, I have this uh, baby horse. You want it? Because there's, so, this, there's this whole thing with after this war, like the walls of Asgard were damaged and they hired this guy who had this really impressive horse. Was and this in the comics this or in the comic. mythology? Like it's, it's in both. Like I did, I double checked on this. What the heck? All right, keep going. Uh, okay. Oh, shoot. Uh, this one I have written kind of wonky because I was, was going to reword it to ask it differently. Uh, all right. I'll make this one try to make it a little easier for you. Comet was a horse associated with which Superman family character? Supergirl. See, you knew that one. I did know that one. I was waiting for that question to come up. How did you know that? Uh, It's random. I know she had a cat named Streaky, too. 
uh, random bonus question. What was Comet before he was a horse? He was a Comet. He was a centaur. I, I don't actually... He was a centaur, really? Mm -hmm. He was really weird in his post-crisis appearance. It was really bizarre. Interesting. All right. In their original appearance in, I think, X-Force, uh, what color were the Horsemen of Apocalypse's horses? Um, silver. Ooh, so close. It was gold. Gold. Yeah, they were, like, really weird. Like, they were more, like, robot devices that they used to fly around. I remember them being robot devices, which is what made me think of silver. Not very silver, cool. It's like a silver gray metallic. Mm -hmm. Darn it. Is that five questions? That was five questions, and you failed. Yeah, I came, came, came kind of close. I got, like, two right. You did get two, and one, you pulled out of nowhere, and I was very generous in giving to you. But you know Fair what? enough. Nathan, Fair enough. I'm still proud of you uh, for getting two. We won't kill everyone that you know and love. Uh, I will be spared. Oh, well, fantastic. They're the only one that matters. Yeah. Other, I mean, they've been killing me every week up until now. Yeah, yeah. Anytime you come up with one of these death scenarios, you're involved. Uh, yeah, what are you going to do? I guess we just can't be friends anymore. This is it, folks. This, this, is, this, is, this is the divide. This is, this is a strictly professional relationship. We are not speaking personally nope. behind the scenes. Show over forever you're let's talk about news uh what news there is yeah there's like no news this week which i, I think is really just because new york comic-con is right around the corner and they just want to save as much reveals for said comic-con yeah and i guess you know you have the tv shows getting ready to start so there's not really any other news that can come out oh there was that one uh the episode eight of arrow is called the brave and the bold which is pretty cool. That's such a great episode title. It makes me so much more excited. Um, but there's like there wasn't any movie news. Like, and I, you know, I check like I check comic resources and uh, Bleeding Cool, and a few other sites like you know, a couple times a week to make sure I'm getting what's going on. And there's just nothing. But there is one actually really big story that uh, happened last week. That Marvel and the Jack Kirby estate have settled their long-going dispute. And really, it, it comes, it's a settlement. And we don't know the specifics of the settlement. And I also know Jack about any sort of legal lawyery kind of right. crap. But um, whatever it was that they were fighting for, you know, they were fighting for... For the rights of the characters. For the rights of the characters, for compensations not paid to... You know Jack Kirby, um, because you know it was work for hire, but it wasn't actually work for hire. That he has still had some ownership of the characters, mm -hmm. yada yada. Uh, it's definitely something I'd love to read more into. Yeah. So here's um, yes. Go ahead. No, uh, you you parent. I, I'm getting the vibe that you know something. Well, no, I was just gonna kind of put into perspective that here's what here's what's going on. So back in in the early days of Marvel, before it was really Marvel Entertainment. Uh, or, I mean, before it was even Marvel Comics, Stan Lee was kind of had all this pressure to, to churn out all these characters to try and save the company that was on the brink of collapse. And he did so with Jack Kirby, who was, who was just this for-hire kind of freelance guy. You know, he threw the ideas out there, and Jack Kirby brought them to life. Mm -hmm. And 
what happened over the years. And this is kind of the un unfortunate thing. You know, Stan Lee is very iconic, and we don't want to say that he's necessarily a bad person, um, but he definitely he took opportunities that were beneficial to him that kind of left people in his wake, mm -hmm. that left people behind. Um, not to say, you know, we like to say objectively from the outside, oh, how dare he, how could he? But it's, you know, look what it's done for him. He's he's very famous now. He's probably had all, you know, his, he's probably had all the money he's ever needed in life. Mm -hmm. he's, he's, he's human. But anyway, now for years and years and years, Jack Kirby's estate... Uh, which has not seen any money from these characters that he had a big hand in creating has turned around and has been pushing for a very long time to get the rights of these characters so they can have, you know, the estate will have some control. The estate will be getting money from them. And now they have settled out of court for an undetermined amount of money, probably millions of dollars. Probably, uh, most likely, for sure. Yeah, and this was because this was a case that was might actually go to the Supreme Court, which is huge. Yeah, uh, it, it, which there's it, it would it it it's sort of like would have been the first of its of its kind to go there. Um, so I mean, Jack Kirby's not getting the recognition, but his family, his family is getting, or the estate is getting what they deemed good compensation essentially is what it's is what has come down to mm -hmm. um you you wish that uh bill finger would see the same thing but i don't think his estate is pushing for that uh for those unaware bob kane is the name that you're going to see on every batman book but uh batman was created by bob kane and bill finger uh bob kane was a very shrewd businessman who uh carved out his little niche of uh, or nest i should say uh, from the Batman franchise, made a ton of money, and basically left Bill Finger in the dirt. Which yep. is a very sad thing. Very sad times indeed. But good on the Kirby estate. Yeah, I mean, as long as I, I, it is one of those tricky things that I, I have a hard time navigating, you know, but hopefully that all parties, you know, it truly is satisfactory, and that you know that the Kirby family can feel that they've have that they have some measure of peace on there. It is unfortunate that it's the estate fighting for it, you know, and not Jack Kirby himself, who you know who who has passed. Um, but and it's it's always one of those things where it's like, well, you know, this the the people involved in this estate, his family, you know, didn't, um, you know, weren't actually directly involved in like the creation of these characters, right? But at the same time, I have to imagine if I was in their shoes. And try to imagine how different my life could have been if things had gone right, you know, differently mm -hmm. for for my father or grandfather, you know. And in that, in those shoes, I yeah. And, and I I was reading here that um, Jack Kirby was all for what they did, which wasn't suing Marvel. It was file for termination of copyright assignment, which I still don't really know what that means. But it's not actually suing Marvel, but Marvel then turned around and sued them. For that filing, mm -hmm. I, that, I don't know if that's where it started or if that's what happened somewhere along the line. But it, anyway, Jack Kirby was in support of this decision, uh, even if he, you know, he wasn't alive to see it. And the Kirby estate actually had to uh, wait a, a certain amount of time, which is basically what in, within that window of time that they had to wait to file that motion. 
Jack Kirby passed. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a big, huge thing. I bet there'll be a book written on it. Um, and, uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, hopefully the settlement is a generally good step in the right direction. Marvel was never going to give up these characters. No. You know? And it's one of those things where, as a fan, you know, let, let's just say, I, I don't really know the whole extent of this, but let's just say the Kirby's gained, you know, got these characters back, you know? Then it would be like, all right, well, what would they do with them? Would they just turn around and lease them to Marvel? Would they give Probably. them to a different comic book company, you know? And, and so as like a fan, it's just like, to me, these characters are so much bigger than any legal battle they could possibly be in. Yeah, which I is, mean, it's, it's yeah, it's which probably, is I think, which is I think is a it's, it's a position that most fans take when looking at something like this. Like, you don't necessarily you're not necessarily trying to you're not booing like the Kirby estate for trying to upset the apple cart, mm-hmm. you know. But you're at the same time you're just like no, but but like I have a stake in this apple cart, you know. Right, it's probably a good thing they didn't. But I mean, I I don't know. I haven't done enough research to know what the family was saying they would have done. You know, they, they could have very well have just gotten it and then turned back to Marvel and been like, all right, how much are you going to give me for this? You know, maybe maybe they would have been j- just been fine to let them continue using them as long as they were getting recognition and, and the, you know, correct nominal fee. Uh, maybe they could have been like, okay, you guys can use Thor and Captain America, but we're going to hold on to Iron Man for a while. You know, no more Iron Man. Can't even mention him in the universe. Yeah. Um, I mean, yes, he did just do, you know, I was looking at some comments online here and people are saying, you know what, he just, um, you know, he, he just did work for hire. Why are we making such a big deal out of this? Yes, he did just do work for hire. But if you read into Marvel's history, there's a lot more to it than that, I would say. Um, that what what this guy did really deserved recognition. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, Jack Jack Kirby is he's the king of comics. He is Jack the King Kirby. You know his he almost, visuals. He almost influenced Nazis. everything. Did he? Yeah, but I, a bunch of like neo Nazis stormed uh, the Captain America office, and he was like getting ready to throw down on them. Wow. Yeah, it's awesome. That's crazy. That's crazy. It's super cool. Super cool. Super cool. All right. Well, in the interest, uh, I mean, I don't really know what else we we can say about this dispute. Yeah. No. It's all good. You know, maybe it's it's it's, as they say been settled. Yeah. Maybe I should have asked uh, some of my lawyer friends. Maybe maybe I'll send out some emails this week. Have have them review the case. Yeah. See if they have anything uh, interesting to add to it. Uh, and and in the interest of padding out the show a little bit. Uh, there's a couple other news stories. Uh, the Batman one's actually not that big of a deal. I was just going to talk about that because of my continuing anger with other books being $5. <laughs> Go right ahead. Batman's going to 5 bucks an issue, but there's going to be 30 pages of story. I've said my piece on that. Uh, so Outcast is doing really big numbers. It it uh yeah it it is and honestly it's a cool book so cool number one is going to printing for the fifth time and uh they just announced that they're going to do a second printing of number four hey oh and i think that that was the latest issue so yeah you know the fact that the numbers are still keeping up like i mean they're probably printing a whole bunch trying to think like all right we're going to meet demand and they still can't 
And I'm curious what their numbers are on websites like Comixology, you know, where you can download it instantly, you know, and it doesn't doesn't run out. It's and it's full price too. Like it's not like it's cheap. Ooh, you know. So yeah, that that's kind of cool. It's one of those things where like I I do think that Outcast is has been a good book so far, but it's really all riding on the Kirkman aesthetic that people are looking for. It is, but I think that does say something that the numbers are still staying uh, that strong. If, I bet it's one thing. It's, it's like people that you know missed out on getting in on the ground floor of The Walking Dead or Invincible can be like, well, I got in on the ground floor of Outcast. You know, right? You know, five, six, seven years from now, Outcast is going strong, and there's three TV shows and movies and and all that stuff, and the kids are carrying their Outcast lunch boxes to school. Be like, yep, I was there when the first issue hit. No, you know, I could, I can definitely see that now that you, now that you say that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the number two selling image book in June. I was not aware of that. David? Yeah. Nick? It was, Nick? Well, no, what, what did you just say? Oh, I said that it was the number two selling image book in June. What was the first? Uh, Walking Dead. Oh, right. Well, what was I th- What was I thinking? Though it only beat it by a couple thousand. Yeah, no, it was really close. Um, what else was I going to talk about? Oh, so I was reading um, The Fade Out today. Mm-hmm. Fade out number two, and uh, you know, still a big fan of the creative team. And I was, I was reading uh, the part at the end where, you know, they they kind of just the writers ramble on in the end of these creator owned books, which I'm totally for. I'm fine with. Uh, oh man, are you gonna? Have you have you read the last issue of Saga yet? I haven't. I was only able to pick it up today. They uh they put like a reader survey at the end we should totally fill it out and send it in all right they did it last year too i forgot to do it um but it was there's just this really cool thing uh where they're talking at the end of outcast where you know they're like oh this has been such a huge success thank you guys so much um this is our least you know this is our least commercially viable pitch of all time and that's why we're really happy with um with this five-year contract I just think it's really cool, you know. These guys had a story they wanted to tell, but they were too afraid to try and sell it to a comic company. So they, you know, they got this contract and like, all right, look, we have the security. Let's tell the story we want to tell. Like they're gonna they're gonna be willing to take more risks, mm-hmm. and whether or not it's gonna pay off totally, we'll see. Um, it, I, I think you know this one. I was I was a lot more comfortable with the characters, so I was able to not, you know. I, the story I think flowed a little bit better because there's a lot of characters in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think just the more familiar I'm going to get with them, the better it's, it's just going to go. Uh, but yeah, I think I, I'm really excited to see what these guys do. Even when the fade out ends, what they're, you know, what they're going to be coming up with to say, you know, we have the security. What do we really want to do? And I feel, you know, That'll be cool to see maybe if Charles Soule does the same thing. If he's like, look, we're not going to bring back Wolverine, but we're going to put his brain uh, inside of a Hot Pocket. Oh, man. And all the pepperonis will be lined with adamantium. No, I really want an adamantium Hot Pocket. That would be terrible for your teeth. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that would be. That's okay, because it would be delicious. Would it, though? Yes. Like if the adamantium heats up, it would you know like boil through your stomach and kill you. Eh, 
Yeah. It's all good. It's all good. Hey, so recommendations? Recommendations. Why? Recommendation. I don't know. I don't. I actually don't. I mean, just because I'm a little behind the eight ball, I really don't have a recommendation this week. Okay, that's fine. I can. I can recommend something. So my recommendation for this week is Joe the Barbarian. Joe the Barbarian. Ah, ah. Sorry, I just hit my glasses. <laughs> Don't worry you shouldn't about do that. Glasses have feelings too, you know. Do they though? Anyway. Do they? Joe the Barbarian, written by Grant Morrison, drawn by Sean Murphy, given to me by Nick Sharmuxness. All right, you. Oh yeah. You're welcome, and you should also t- uh, tell this review in a Sean Connery voice. Why? Just do it. I don't really have a good Sean Connery accent. That's <laughs> okay. You can use that one. It's really not a very. uh, Anyway, it is about a boy who is hypoglycemic, uh, who, if he does not have, you know, if he doesn't get sugar in his system, I don't really know how hypoglycemic people work. Um, (laughs) How do do they work? I don't know. (laughs) I'm assuming they're weird robots of some kind that need sugar for fuel. Yes. Uh, Anyway, this kid, this guy. He starts hallucinating, uh, and he's hallucinating that he's on this really big epic adventure. Um, but really, he's just trying to get through his house to turn the power back on downstairs and get some sugar into his system. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, it is an amazing story. It was my first uh, exposure to Sean Murphy. I was already a big Grant Morrison fan. Uh, and I know you know people aren't huge fans of Grant Morrison because of all these big convoluted stories and all this you know really big craziness. This is much more subdued, but still a really really good story. Uh, very very well told. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. Um, there's there's stuff. It, it benefits highly from multiple readings. Uh, I think I've probably read it two or three times. I really like taking. Uh, like these short graphic novels, you know, the ones that are like four or five issues on planes. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're like, they're just sort of the right length uh, for me to read one or two on a plane ride. Uh, and this is one that I keep taking on planes and I keep reading just cause I, it's, it's that good. I really, uh, really, really enjoy it. Um, gosh, it's, it's just, it's so, it's very clever too, which is, which is a great, great thing of it where these, you know, these real life, things that seem very small in his fantasy world are suddenly these very huge challenges and you're rooting for him and you're on the edge of your seat the whole time and you just really want Joe the Barbarian to succeed. So go pick up Joe the Barbarian uh, Best Limited Series. Oh, Eisner Award nominee. Didn't even win. And they're advertising that on the cover. Hey, a nominee is still a nominee. Yeah, no, Eisner Awards are uh, still a big deal. So yeah, that's my recommendation. Uh, Nick doesn't have one because he hates all of you. I do, I really, really do. Is Cameron Stewart um, Batgirl next week? Yes, that is next week. It hmm. is. Yes, I'm excited for that. I mean, I I am too. Have you have you read the preview on it? I haven't yet. I will try and find it for you so you can get a feel for it. Unless you want to experience it 
you know. Let me right let, let me go in blind. Uh, right. I like the cover. I don't know. It's interesting where she's in the uh, like the bathroom and she's taking the selfie in the mirror. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's one of those things where it's where where they they they're trying to create a Batgirl, you know, who's actually like a twenty one year old girl, you know, mm-hmm. obviously under unique circumstances, you know, mm-hmm. certainly much more self responsible, self motivating, you know, but but still a twenty one year old girl, and when reading the preview, I was like, well. Okay, I've never been a 21-year-old girl. I really know what it means to be a 21-year-old girl besides, you know, when I was 21 and hung out with 21-year-old girls. But it, I was like, wow, like, this seems fresh. This seems like, like, like it's what it always should have been. But because it's been an industry primarily dominated by male influence, you know, that I, it, this, this doesn't seem like the real Barbara Gordon to me, but this actually should be who the real Barbara Gordon is. And... Um, Papa I, I Gordon, but I, I don't. Know. I, I from from just the preview alone, I'm I'm definitely excited for the full issue. Sweet. So uh, come back next week where we will be talking about new Batgirl. Yeesh. As well as other stuff, we'll also be talking about Axis. Axis. And I'm not sure Ooh. what else is coming out next week. I actually have the list up right in front of me. All um, right. you know, looking at here, you've got. Uh, Batman number thirty-five, which is the start of Endgame. Oh, yep. So you'll be excited for that. I'm very excited for that. Um, let's see here. The tenth volume of Unwritten will come out, which means I will buy it and add it to the stack of other volumes of Unwritten that I've bought and have not read. Uh, while we're uh, on the subject of Batman thirty-five, probably one of my favorite covers of the year. Oh, with him fighting the Justice League. It's so good. Continue. Uh, let's see here. I don't really read anything from IDW. Uh, image we've got black science copperhead number two copperhead. um oh copperhead number two okay cool yeah uh, da, 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 looking forward to that i'm uh, sure we'll talk sex, about that a little bit sex criminals if that's your orientation uh, um, I, haven't, I haven't read that in a long time um uh, yeah I, i've only read the first issue uh witches by scott snyder oh that starts next week that's next week oh i'm so excited about that we're this gonna talk about so, that for sure okay I'll, I'll pick it up and then from marvel we've got oh we've got Amazing Spider-Man. We've got Avengers, which is still taking place eight months from now. We've got Axis. Um, I, don't know, I don't know what else. Oh, Hawk. Hawk. Clint Barton versus Deadpool. Oh yeah. Uh, that's nice apparently, week. apparently the Zero issue was. Did you read the Zero issue? I didn't. I saw it. Uh, apparently, apparently people really responded to it. I like Gary Dugan as a writer, so so it's all good. All right. So uh, what we're trying to say yeah. here, folks, is that we have a lot to talk about next week. There will be stuff. There will be a good amount. Uh, which hopefully there will be some more news, you know. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we'll find out uh, who stole the cookie from the cookie jar. Hopefully we will. And uh, spoiler, it was definitely me. What? It wasn't Nick Fury. No, it was definitely Nick Share Fury. Share Fury. No. Share Fury. So you know, it's funny because I hadn't seen the, uh, I hadn't seen any of the Nick Fury from Original Sin, but in the Thor issue, they like briefly show him. But they just mm-hmm. show like when he's whispering to Thor, and he mm-hmm. has he has that really weird eyepiece. Like it's very odd. Like if, if you hadn't described that, that was Nick Fury to me, I would be like, "Who Ooh. the hell is talking to him?" <laughs> yeah, no, it would throw you off. It was yeah, it was very confusing. It was like somebody, like somebody built a weird Frankenstein monster, and one of his eyeballs was a glass Coca Cola bottle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I have to. I'm kind of looking at the prices for some of these books. Kind of, a, kind of a, an aside. 
Uh-huh. And it's just weird that like certain, and I don't know who dictates this because like, you know, let's say two really popular writers, Rick Remender and Scott Snyder, mm-hmm. um, both work on like three ninety nine books for DC. Like if they put out a book, it's probably going to be three ninety nine. It's going to be whatever you want to call it, the premium format, however they justify it. Right. And then you go to something like Image where they have their creator-owned books and something like Black Science, all of Rick Remender's uh, creator-owned books are, are 350 which is also a really weird pro- pr- price point to be at. Like, uh-huh. like they're not fully committing to $4, but they aren't going to save you an extra $0.50. Cents. Uh, but uh, Scott Snyder's Witches is going to be $3. Hmm. You know? So it's kind of like I really want to know who's sitting there number crunching and deciding that, like, these books will, you know, they – are going to sell potentially X number of copies, and we want to maximize our profits by making it 350. But say something like Scott Snyder, who's such a huge commodity, you know, in the the, the industry right now, you know. But his book, which presumably will sell, I'm a, I'm going to assume a lot, you yeah. know, is priced lower. I'm just wondering who dictates that. Who 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 are these number crunchers? That, that make us shell out so much money for these comic books. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot that goes into it. You've got page count. You've got quality you know as far as paper and all of that maybe but i imagine that at least from image that that you know black science and witches will be printed on the same paper stock if it's coming because sometimes they might print you know certain books on different paper but if witches is just a new you know ongoing book and black science is just a you know a regular ongoing book you know i feel like they're you know and suppose they're coming from creators both at the top of their game right now they'd be you know i I, I see what you're saying saying i'm almost saying i'm almost wondering why witches isn't more expensive well which i'm happy about that's not and maybe i mean maybe that's part of it too maybe you know people because scott scott snyder is kind of this kind of this hot thing with the horror crowd right now uh people are much more likely to throw that onto their pile it's like oh it's only you know 2.99 Mm-hmm. It's the Halloween season. Why not? Let's do it. Let's get people into this. All right. So I think that's gonna do it for us here tonight. Sounds good. I'm, I'm pretty. I'm looking forward to next week. It's gonna be a good week. It's it is some really cool stuff coming out, guys. Hopefully uh, you'll join us with it. Well, in the meantime, you can always find more stuff from us over at heckyeahcomics.com. Heck yeah! You can follow us on the poorly neglected. I really need to get better at updating it. Twitter account, uh, Heck Yeah Comics, which is <laughs> just all one word. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook, Heck Yeah Comics. Uh, you can find me, David Luzader, on Twitter at DavLuz. Uh, you can find Nick uh, scribbling at a chalkboard uh, like a mad scientist trying to figure out why certain books are priced at, at certain uh, amounts. It is my uh, life's work. And uh, he will never figure anything out. He'll be inconsolable, ruining his life uh, and dying penniless and alone. Works for me. Uh believe that is all the usual crap i say at the end of the show except for if you hate it if you if you love the show please tell your friends just you know live with your life hated it if you liked it please tell your friends if you hated it then please tell your enemies until next week goodbye. I'm not going to do that.
worst episode ever.